Now, Father, we need you um, this morning, just like every morning. Uh, we need you um, to teach us how to connect with you. And Father, what that means for us uh, as it relates to our maturing uh, in our relationship with you. Lord, you have an agenda uh, with us. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would help um, me uh, clarify, Father, that you would speak through me to clarify uh, what relationship with you is supposed to yield, and if we're, uh, and maybe some things that we don't understand um, how that works. And so, Father, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would teach us, that your uh, scripture would illuminate um, all the things that you need us to learn this morning, and that we would be encouraged and empowered um, to live life with you. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Um, so the first place uh, I want to, uh, for us to look is uh, in Colossians uh, chapter 1. And we are in verse um, 28 and 29. So when we're thinking, um, when Paul here is uh, speaking to the um, Colossian church, he takes time to give um, kind of a thesis statement for his ministry. And it's really, it's pretty general, but there's a lot packed in there. And I want to kind of kick off our time of what, of, some things I want you to think through um, with this uh, declaration. And he says this, in verse, uh, starting in verse 28. Uh, and Paul says, we proclaim him. And so he's talking about Jesus. He's lifting him up. This is a person that we want you to know about and what it means, right, for you to be in relationship with him. He is the, the, the Messiah has come, that God's uh, chosen king has come into the world to set things in motion that were not in motion previously, right? And so one of our major things is to understand that he needs to be lifted up. He needs to be glorified. He needs to be understood for who he is and his implication in our life, right? We can know about Jesus. We can understand um, different aspects about his character, different aspects about his word. But if we misunderstand um, his, uh, what he came to do, right, and what he wants from us in relationship, uh, then we really miss a lot. And so if you are back to us, like Marcus, you look super uncomfortable. Feel turned around. Hey, if you want to turn around as well, uh, don't feel free. You don't have to. You can be more comfortable than you are. Um, so he, he continues, as we proclaim him, we don't just stop there, right? We don't just yell Jesus at people and hope that they get it, right? He says that... Um, and he's using, remember, the we here, that it's not him, that he's involved and is involving others in a ministry, right, of proclamation, but of also, right, of engagement, of discipleship, and, and a word I want to introduce you to if you if, uh, if you don't know it, apprenticeship. Um, and so we proclaim him, admonishing every man, teaching every man, and that includes women, with all wisdom, so that we may present every man, woman, complete in Christ. For this purpose... Also, I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. So to make, not, to make, not to make too fine a point on it, as that community is proclaiming him, right, they are at the same time, right, admonishing, right, helping everybody understand what it is that um, Jesus is teaching and wanting us to do, right? And it's not just some, it's all, right? Like that, my, his, 
um, his priority, right, his, um, his ambition is for all to know this, right, admonishing all, then teaching all, right, so that they, they understand what they are to do and be in Christ for the purposes of so that we may present every man complete. And so the word here, this Greek word means teleos, and a lot of times it's translated perfect, and we don't like that word. Uh, complete, we don't even like that word, because anybody in here feel complete, right? But the idea from Scripture that we like, that feels lighter, that feels uh, something more our speed, is this idea of wholeness, okay? That, uh, but I think that that might resonate with you because you probably have areas in your life that you feel pretty deficient in or you feel unwhole, or you feel that are corrupted, right? It's all the same general idea. And so Paul is saying the purpose, right, of ministry and of his ministry and the ministry that he has given to us, and this is the ministry that Jesus had, no ministry has changed, is that so that we may present those that wish to follow Christ complete in him, right, whole in him, that all the, the ways that he wants to change us, that the end result would be for us to be, right, finished in that work. And this does not mean that we are uh, perfect and sinless, but what it, what it would mean is that sin, uh, as it happens, is uh, inconsistent in us, right? That it is, it's no longer the default, right? And so that's not just that I no longer do the things that are wrong. We often define sin as, the, as a doing wrong things, Right, but there's sins of things that I, I, I shouldn't be doing, and there's also sins of, like, I'm not doing what God calls me to do, right? Uh, sin, or what God, the life that God has for us, is to hit a particular mark, right? It is wholeness. It is image of Christ. And so I think that this idea is helpful because we see what Paul's ambition is, and we want to uh, lay that down with a few, um, a few other ideas, okay? And then I'll give you a, a couple things to kick around. All right, so let's now turn to Ephesians um, chapter 4. And we're looking at um, 11, uh, 12, and 13. And so this is, again, Paul talking. So we, talk, we hear his ambition and what uh, kind of an overarching, kind of, you know, 20,000-foot view of what, he, uh, what his ministry is about that he's about bringing all men to completion in Christ and that it is to that end that he labors, okay? So that does not just include Paul, does not include me, that he wants those of you that are on the journey with Jesus, as we journey with him, we mature. As we mature, he puts us into service, and as he puts us into service, we all need to kind of have the same service, right? And so this is what Paul's talking about here um, as it relates to a little bit more specifics. And he starts in verse 11. He has come, gave some as apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. We often think about this sometimes as like you, you see me, whatever you think of me, but oh, he's got the microphone, so he's in charge, and then he's supposed to tell us what to do. And you may not understand, well, like, well, how did he get up there? Did he just like, did they go in a vending machine and here's a pastor and he like poop him out and then He's just like, hey, you do that, whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> but we forget that um, all people, right, that God puts into service uh, began as people away from him. Right, that, that all of us started not in relationship with Jesus. 
But as we engage in the relationship the right way, right, that relationship equals maturity. And as a mature and I'm found faithful, then he puts some into service, right? So the implication is if, if we don't understand that this is his mechanism, right, for uh, uh, engaging people in the world, right, that the church is for discipleships of, of the nations, <laughs> right, we right, are included in that. So we must understand what God's plan is for us. So that as I'm not maturing, he can't put me into service. And you're like, oh, loophole. <laughs> as long as I just kind of maintain status quo, right, then maybe I don't, I don't have to take any responsibility. We'll talk about why that's, uh, why that's a, little, a little off. But that is kind of how we think about it. But as he then gives, right, some as apostles and prophets, evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, Right, he's saying that he has given and will give some of you as he did me. I was sitting amongst you and he said, Rob, I need you to be faithful. And as I was faithful, he continued to encourage me and to give me opportunities and to, to be a servant. Right, to equip others for that. But, but those, the people that he puts in the service were nothing and he makes them something in him. So as we see verse 12 then, that that is point, for the point of equipping the saints, all of us, for the work of service, right? To work of the gospel, to the work of discipleship, to the work of helping others grow in Christ. And this service is to be until all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So he is again giving us this idea of what he talks about being uh, to them being complete, he gives more language to that. So the first thing I want you to do before we get into a couple things is around your table, and you can just talk to the person next to you, how do you feel about God wanting you to be mature, and not just better than you are now, not just laughing at when, you know, somebody makes a fart joke, right? You're like, is that mature? I still laugh. It's, I don't, I don't know. But how do you feel about the extent to which God wants you, uh, what he wants you to grow into? Because I think we need to be honest about how we feel about our, God's plans for us. Because when somebody has plans for us and we're on board, well, we're cooperative. Yes? <laughs> uh, when we are not on board, we are uncooperative. And that is where the church finds itself uh, far too often. And so take a minute. I want you to just to share just with your neighbor uh, about how you feel about what God wants for you. Are you excited about it? Is it scary? Do you disagree that that's what he wants? Whatever you want to say, share it with one another. All right. So I want to um, now move into um, helping us uh, distinguish some ideas that I think are going to be helpful in Scripture to clarify um, what, uh, what Paul is talking about, uh, talks about to the Ephesians church and the Colossians church. Because he can, he can talk about it um, in there, but until we right, understand that that is something uh, that I understand how to engage in, right, as it relates to this community and, um, and with the Lord, then, um, then it's not real for us. And so we're going to start at this point. So 
if you are um, writing something down or having some notes, there's a couple things I'm going to encourage you to like, you know, put in your little your notes on your phone or if you got a, a journal. But the first p place that we'll start is um, dependence on God. Okay, dependence on God equals spiritual maturity. And what I mean by that is that it will equal, like if you will learn to depend on God, and we'll de I'll define that uh, a little bit here, and that will be um, some stuff that we talk about on the retreat this weekend. But if you'll depend on God, that equals spiritual maturity. Okay? That as we learn to do that, and as we do that, right, He changes us. So that's the conditional, but if we will engage in the condition, it is a 100% reality. Okay, um, are there people in your life that have really strong personalities? Yes. Is it possible to spend a great deal of time with them and not be changed by them for the good or for the better? Anybody disagree with that statement? Yes. Yep. Okay. Now, so this, the, so the transaction is pretty simple. Okay, is that is that fairly simple? To, Dependence on God, if I will be dependent on God, right, he will mature me, okay? He will make me like himself, right? Independence from God equals spiritual immaturity, okay? So, so how do we become mature? We learn to depend on God in the ways he wants us to. How do we not mature and stay immature? We don't do that. Is that as plain, that's as plain as I can be? Make sense, everybody with me? <laughs> so the second thing, so I, so I want you to have that dependence on God's spiritual maturity, independence with God. So when we are not dependent on him and we live our own lives, uh, then we are going to stay in the state that we are in. So that's kind of the first concept. Second concept, this idea of apprenticeship. So when we think about the, the idea of discipleship in Scripture, right, we see uh, what's the first connotation we have as it relates to disciples, right, is the people that follow Jesus around, particularly the 12. Yes? Okay. So that not, is not a good understanding of what it means uh, to be a disciple in the sense of, like, when we think disciple, we think not me. <laughs> yes? And there's different reasons. I can't unpack all the reasons why you think that, but that generally is our default, right? When we think about disciples, I, I want to engage in discipleship. And when I think about defining myself, um, I, I, don't, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I would be curious as to how many people said, I'm a disciple, you know, of Jesus, right? Like that you would claim that for yourself, okay? But as it's meant to be understood, Discipleship is meant to be understood as the idea of apprenticeship, okay? What do any of you know about the concept of apprenticeship? We still have that in this country. It's existed for most of our recorded history. What is the concept of apprenticeship? What is, it, what is an apprentice? Um, what is a master in that sense? And then what's the point? Anybody, anybody know? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so folks that engage in, a, it's typically at a relationship that people engage in in a trade, right? So uh, blacksmithing. So like there's a smith, blacksmith that knows how to uh, uh, work the blacksmith things. I can't remember all of the, the terms, right? You got the big pot, the smelter, I think it is, right? Where you 
make the, make the metal really hot to form it into stuff. And so he is the master. And so to learn that trade, somebody he asked to be an apprentice, he wants to learn that trade and essentially he spends all his time with them. And at the end, the apprentice right, becomes the new master. He can do all the things that the apprentice, uh, that the master does, okay? So the concept is that the, the apprentice wants to be exactly like the master, okay? So that is the apprentice-master relationship, and that is how we need to think about discipleship. When it, when it talks disciple, when it says the word disciple, that is the inferred meaning of everyone in first century Israel, everybody. That is how they understand disciple. They've never understood in any other way. Okay. <clears throat> so there's this idea that as we look right at Jesus, right, we need to see him as our master and us as his apprentices uh, as we think about discipleship in scripture. Now, here is the thing that I want to uh, boldly ask you this morning. Has anyone, including Jesus, has, has he, have you heard a call, have you been given an invitation into discipleship or apprenticeship with Jesus? That's what I want to invite you into today. I want you to invite you to become an apprentice of Jesus. So many of us have been given a call to forgiveness or to Christianity, right, to Christ as Savior. But when we look at Jesus' own words, does he ever ask somebody to come into anything like that? The call and invitation that he gives over and over and over again is to follow me. Now, Paul and Peter and others, right, change some of that, but he, again, in his letter says that over and over, follow me as I follow Christ, right? There's never an abdication of this idea of apprenticeship. 20 different times it's recorded in Scripture that Jesus tells different people all walks of life to follow me. So everyone that saw that knew Jesus to be a rabbi, a rabbi is a figure in Jewish culture that is a master teacher, and how People, when they said, follow me, they understood that what he wants me to do is that he wants me to uh, sit under his teaching and become like him in every way. That's the call. That's the ask. And so this morning, I'm inviting you, right, I'm to, into apprenticeship with Jesus. And so for some of you that have heard that call and have said yes, then hopefully this is clarifying for you, but some of you, I anticipate, have never heard anyone ask you, right, that you need to follow Jesus as an apprentice. As we look at those verses of Colossians, right, and in Ephesians, that is the insinuation. That is what he's talking about. That he's not just collecting friends or acquaintances, that he's collecting apprentices, that he wants his church to be made up of his apprentices that mature. And those mature apprentices are now the master and they can continue to help other people mature in their faith. To move from independence on God to dependence. So in Genesis, we can put it in these terms. This is what happened in the garden that God made man in his image. And there in that garden, in that safe place that he created for them, that he was going to mature them into his image. 
right? And they chose to be independent, and that's where we are now. Our lack of spiritual maturity, and this was true in my life, is a lack of understanding of how we are formed spiritually. We are formed spiritually through apprenticeship to Jesus and community activity towards that end. So the next place I want you to look is 1 Corinthians 10, or 2, 10 through 16. So when we hear this word, um, kind of this, this term, the spiritual formation, all I want you to think about is just this idea of what happens, right, when we, as uh, baby apprentices, right, in the life of Jesus, right, are needing to be formed into his image. That's all it is. Why we have the kind of the adjective spiritual is to di- differentiate it between general, uh, general formation, that he, that, 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 that there's many activities and much power going into forming us spiritually. And he also uses this term here, uh, Paul, uh, Paul does in 1 Corinthians 2. So follow along with me, starting in verse 10. He says, For to us God revealed uh, them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man that is within him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. So what Paul is trying to help clarify here is he gives the moniker spiritual, right, to, to under, help us understand the realm of God in our lives. Because we're not good at that. We don't understand, like, how, what that looks like. We don't have good language for it. And so he's trying to distinguish that those that are empowered and led and have the Holy Spirit are spiritual, okay? So that's how he uses the word um, in contradiction to the natural man, right, who is not controlled, who does not have the active power of the Spirit in their lives. So here he goes in verse 14. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him or her. And him or her cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no one, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And so I give you that picture because, right, that that there is this dichotomy, right, of those that are led by the Spirit are engaged in what God wants them to and those that are not, and it uses that language, right, spiritual. So that's helpful when we think about spiritual formation. And spiritual formation is not simply the realm, right, of developing disciplines such as the uh, reading the Bible or praying better, okay? We should do that. Those things are good. But if you just do that out of connection with, right, wanting to be like Christ, then what is the result of that? What does it become? But spiritual formation is for my whole personality, my whole self, right, all the things that make up me, right, need to be reformed into wholeness in Jesus. That there's, 
that, that as, my, as I am dependent on God, that there's something that fills in all the gaps, right, as I continue to mature into that person that he wants me to be, that he's called me, he's created me to be, and there's something that happens when I'm away from him, right? I, I become malformed. That what is supposed to happen is not happening because I don't have the relationship I'm supposed to have. When we think about kind of the disciplines that I engage in, just kind of Bible reading and prayer is our, is our most, is our most um, common, right? We think that I have, that that comes to define me as I have spiritual aspects of my life, right? So if I were to think about my life as a pie chart, that, right, the spiritual things are just one wedge. It could be a big old wedge, right? But that just becomes one part of my life. Yes, right? People think about this a lot like this. The God is not asking us to kind of have spiritual aspects of our life. That is not the relationship, right, that he calls us into. That he wants a relationship with him to change everything. Not for us to look a little bit more like Jesus, like he gives us, like if I made you wear khakis and a, and a quarter zip. Right, it's like we look a little bit more like Rob. Or Andrew. Andrew, like, do you like a quarter zip, don't you? Yeah, we, dad fashion. So we're not looking, right, for aspects of Christ. That's not, that's not what we hear in Colossians 1, is it? Grew up in the, uh, somebody has got their thumb in Ephesians 4, uh, 13. What is it that he wants us to grow into? How does it describe it? Yep. of the Son of God to be to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that's a lot of words to say, I want you to be like Jesus in every single way. I don't want you to just be seasoned with Jesus. I don't want you to just have aspects of things that people like about him. He means you to be like him. That's the idea of apprenticeship. Right, so in this verse he's saying, you know, there are those that are spiritual, those that are natural. Right, we have this mindset, which I described as a more of a natural mindset, that, that it's okay if I just have aspects of somebody. And that's how we kind of go through life. That's how we allow people to form us. Oh, I like that idea. I like how they put that outfit together. Take that. And I like this philosophy, and I like how they think about that. And so we, again, that's just our default in our culture. But by contrast, Paul wants us to think of ourselves in spiritual terms as spiritual beings. Right? It's another way to think about what has happened to you as you are born again, if that has indeed happened to you. You belong to the realm of the spiritual, to distinguish between the world and God. Right? That's all that word is kind of helping you do. You belong to God's world now. You are among his people. That we use that, so that's why he uses that word. You are no longer natural. Our culture is anti-supernatural, yes? All the things that we explain, it is in natural terms. So we can't be defined by that way anymore. 
So here is, um, I think it's a fair question. We'll see what you think. How many of you or your friends or however you want to think about this are committed to the idea of Christianity, okay, whatever you think that means, but not committed to the idea of apprenticeship to Jesus? How many are committed to the idea of Christianity but not committed to the idea of apprenticeship to Jesus? Here's the difference in mindset. Being committed to the idea of Christianity is to be fond of Jesus, to be thankful in general terms for his death on the cross, to feel good about the offer of forgiveness, to be open to the idea of the church as a place I need to be, Service as doing my part in the Bible as truthful. And yet, see, spiritual maturity or Christ's likeness is optional and unlikely. Can't I just be mostly moral in front of my, uh, in most of my front-facing actions? Isn't that what God has called me to? In, in Christianity. <laughs> and as I do that, that keeps people off my back and out of my business. Right, And as the church, because the church doesn't have or, or struggles with keeping in front of this like we're supposed to grow into something, if we have no vision right, for Christ's likeness, then that's okay. You know, you're not bothering me. Apprenticeship then, or I'm going to keep using that word, but keep thinking disciple. But when it says a, a, a disciple, it means apprentice. Discipleship to Jesus is to commit to let him spiritually form you. So again, I want to give you that invitation that that is what he wants desperately for you. That he wants you to follow him. If you say yes to that invitation, then you follow him. Right? You be his apprentice. And you are to be this for the rest of your life, and it will be a journey. I think many have come to Jesus without hearing a call of discipleship. Right? They hear about coming to Jesus without a call to follow also. The purpose of following in apprenticeship is to be like the one who you're following. So what are we doing? What are you doing? What am I doing? So as we close with this, is that we either cooperate, right? That we say yes to this call and we cooperate, or we rebel. The first thing I want to clarify, which may or may not have been clarified for you, Right, is what the call is, and I want to call you into it if you have not been. The second thing would be this idea that as I'm called into that, I have to cooperate. Any of you uncooperative? Yep, raise your hand. Just raise your hand. It feels good. My name is Rob, and I am uncooperative. It's an American right to be uncooperative. 
But cooperation with Jesus, right, means wholeness down the line. That it's not something that I just go to once, okay? Right, it's the same idea of going to the gym, right, and having and be beach body ready when I just go every once in a while. But rebelling, right, means emptiness. And so here's the last word I'll, I'll uh, end. And so an author says, rebellion against God's gracious work moves us into destructive and dehumanizing emptiness, into increasingly dysfunctional lives that are self-destructive and treat others as objects to be manipulated and used for our own purposes. And so this is what stasis looks like, <laughs> to be in the world and to be formed by the world. And so we think, well, I'm fine as long as I'm just kind of staying out of trouble, right? And so we just kind of, you know, I'm doing my life and I'm just kind of, all right, you know, I'm okay. Yet that is not the witness of Scripture. That he says we need to be close and to learn to follow. And in that following, he will teach us how to be dependent and why that's not only good for you, but everyone else in your life. And so the last thing I want you to write down and then just give you uh, uh, some time just to debrief real quick is I want to give you a, a, a paradigm to think through. Like, so, so what, what things, like what areas of my life need to be impacted by this? I'm just going to write these down and then we'll uh, have the debrief time and then more can scatter to service. So here's eight areas. So the first one is abiding, all right? Abiding, number one. Number two is our mind, our mind. Number three is our body. So abiding, mind, body. Number four is relationships. Number five is rest. So I think there's seven here. Work and money. And then lastly, gospel and hospitality. So abiding, mind, body, relationships, rest, work and money, and then gospel and hospitality. And so these are not exhaustive, but it gives us a pretty good uh, idea of these are all the areas in which I need to be formed into Christ-likeness. That think about that what did, did Jesus, did Jesus, uh, did his life, did he, did he do things in his life to be able to abide with Christ? Yes. Many times it talks about that Jesus went to be away, that that was a natural rhythm of his life, that he had to do things to set up his schedule, to spend time with the Lord, to abide with the Father. Okay? And so just debrief there real quickly. You can use that or just, uh, just here, here's my thoughts about what Rob said and um, looking uh, through those. All right? So uh, just take a couple minutes and then I'll close this uh, and we'll get out of here. Father, to speak of maturity um, in our culture is weird. In many ways, it um, seems especially antithetical um, in the ways that we live, 
Father, it may seem as I, as I first thought about that, that, that is inconceivable, Lord, that I can be like you. Because of uh, what I'm used to is just trying in my own effort, uh, Lord, just to be better and just failing over and over and over again. Lord, I confess in my younger life, I had a hard time understanding um, what you meant here. I wanted it desperately, but I didn't really understand what it looked like um, to make myself dependent on you, for me to become less and for you to become more, for me to learn from you, to want to be with you, uh, and how that has changed everything uh, about the life uh, that I live with you. Father, I pray for all of us in here, Lord, that we would accept uh, your teaching of your people, that you expect us to be mature, that you want desperately for us to enjoy what it means to be whole in you and with you. Father, may not that be a scary thing for us, Lord, but it may be the call of our heart that that is the only thing that we've ever wanted was to be whole with you. As the Lord, would you give us a vision for that? Would you give, it a, uh, give that vision for the people that are in my life? Then we may run and journey with you as apprentices. That you begin to um, open our minds to what it would look like for uh, my life to be swallowed up in your life and for you to give my life back to me in service to you. Lord, we need you desperately. Father, may we understand that dependence on you is the best thing for us. That is how life was to be lived. And you're calling us to it again. Lord, would we accept your invitation to follow? Would we accept your invitation to want to be like the Master? We love you, Father, and we thank you for this time that we have been together. And we ask that you would continue um, to challenge us and encourage us and to teach us uh, today and the days going forward. We love you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. All right.